Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. See, you can come here and you can play the good Christian. You can sing the songs nice and loud. And you can say amen and you can clap. And you can bring the biggest Bible in the world with you to church. But your character is, is who you are when no one else is watching. Faithfulness, truth, integrity. That's what the word means. Right? And the church is even lacking in these areas. Right? And again, we want to come and we want to play church and we want to play worship and we don't give a thought to the way we behave outside these four walls. Who we're talking to and what we're watching and what kind of music we're listening to. All of these things. God is paying attention. Are you being faithful to the promises that you made? Because again, in Exodus chapter 19, God comes to the children of Israel. He lays out a plan. He says, look, this is my law. These are the rules. If you want to be my special treasure, if you want to be my bride, you've got to abide by these things. And the children of Israel said, everything you have spoken, we will do. We will obey it. In essence, they say, I do. You've got us. Our heart belongs to you. But they were not faithful. If I'm faithful to my wife 90% of the time, am I faithful at all? No. If I go in and I take a test at the DMV and I only cheat on 10% of the test, was I faithful? No. If you're going to be faithful, you have to be faithful 100% of the time or there's no faithfulness at all. Right? And so here, the first sin that the children are committing is there's no faithfulness in the land. They weren't being real. See, when you come to Christ, your life should change. If you still feel comfortable dwelling and living in your sin and watching the things you watch and being around the people that you've been around your whole life and you still feel comfortable running in those circles and involved in that sin, there's something wrong. Because there's no faithfulness on your part to the Lord, right? This is what it says in Titus. It says this in Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. If you're in Christ, you should renounce those things. You should renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Rather, you should live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That as we wait for God, we should be waiting faithfully, that we should have a purity in the way we live. And if we don't, we are not being faithful to the Lord. Now, understand this, that faithfulness to God, that pure living will not save you. Rather, once you've come to Christ and your heart has been quickened and your spirit has been changed, you should desire to live that way. Why? Because this honors the Lord. That lifestyle of holy living is an evidence of your salvation. It does not earn you salvation. Does this make sense? And I want you to understand this because I fear that there are far too many people in the church in America today especially, even in our church, that are comfortable in their sin and they feel like because I made a confession for Jesus, I can live however I want. Well, that's wrong. 
Hosea had been rocking on that stool for quite a while before he got up. And he came and he brought a word that was difficult for people to hear. And that word is this, is that you cannot make a confession for Jesus and live like the world. You're not being faithful. I don't care. You say, well, you know, I only participate in my sin one day out of the month, or I only stumble and fall one day out of the month. You know what? 90% faithfulness to my wife is not faithfulness at all. Are you going to be faithful to God or aren't you? Right? So the first thing there, there's that faithfulness. Second thing, so there was no steadfast love. The word in the Hebrew is hesed. It means a loyal love. It means an, an undying devotion. Right? Now, specifically, this word means to go above and beyond the legal obligation for something, right? And the best way I can paint this is, is we just had Valentine's Day, right? And, you know, there are certain things that a man is expected to do around Valentine's Day. It's like a legal obligation, right? And if you get flowers and if you get chocolate and you get a nice little card and you do those things and you bring those things to your wife, it's kind of like, well, yeah, you should do that. What do you, you want me to thank you? But what if you do that on March 14th instead of February 14th? See, there's no legal obligation for that. I'm not obligated to do that. I did that out of devotion, out of love, because I want my wife to feel blessed and to feel loved and to feel appreciated, right? This is the way we should be loving the Lord. It should surpass a legal obligation, and it should be birthed out of this devotion that we have to this desire that we have to bring something to God that is going to be pleasing to him. Jesus said this, if you love me, what? Keep my commands. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command of all of the scripture? And he said, the first and greatest command is this, that you should love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second is just like it, just as important, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, okay, if you want to show me your devotion, if you want to show me that you want to love above and beyond legal obligation, then love me with all that you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what I want to see. That's how I will know you're devoted to me. And what the trouble was during these days, there was no hesed in the land. The people were lacking hesed. There was no devotion, not only towards God, but there was no love of of the neighbor. There was no love of the foreigner. There was no love for anyone. Everyone was self-focused, and they were so completely caught up in their own lives. They were selfish. And I look around at our world today, and this is where we are. It's terrible when you consider, and and I, I struggle with this all the time, and I say, Lord, why, why was I born in America and I have such plenty? And in parts of the world, I know that there are children that will go to sleep tonight and I'll have to wake up early in the morning and walk miles just to get clean water. I am no better than that person. But is there any said in us? Is there any, any love within us to go above and beyond the legal obligation and to say, I want to do something about that. I want to change that person's life. When we have freezers full of food and people are starving, there's something wrong with that. I'm no better than that person that has an empty plate. No better. Why do I have plenty and someone else lacks? There was no hesed. And we look around our world today, there's no hesed. And we do this, we don't even think about it if we're honest. We would rather ignore it than have the conviction of the Spirit and have to actually do something about it. Let's be honest. 
Where's the hesed? Where's the love for your neighbor? Where's the devotion to God? Where is that person that is willing to go above and beyond the legal obligation and to love someone? It's lacking, Hosea says. And I say today, it's lacking in us. Why? Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of themselves. They'll love money. They'll be proud and arrogant and abusive and disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, this is written in the Greek, but if that were in Hebrew, there would be no hesed for God because they have a love for pleasure. There's no undying devotion there. These are the days we live in. And if we aren't willing to do something different, if we aren't willing to go above and beyond the legal obligation, then who? There was no faithfulness. There was no steadfast love. There was no knowledge of God. Now, the word in the Hebrew here is de'at, right? And it's very closely related to a word we looked at a couple weeks ago, which is yada. And the word yada means to have an intimate acquaintance or knowledge of something. Da'at means to recognize or to give someone their rightful place. But the root of that is yada, which again, it speaks of an intimate understanding, okay? It's more than just an acquaintance. I know a lot of you in the room, right? I'm acquainted with you, but I have an intimate relationship with my wife. I know her differently than I know you, And what the Lord wants is he wants for you to know him intimately, not just be acquainted with him. The Bible says in the book of James that even the demons believe and tremble at the name of Jesus. They have an understanding of Jesus. They have an acquaintance, a knowledge of Jesus, but they don't have an intimacy with Jesus, you see? There are people in the church who come here, you think you have an intimate understanding of God, but really you're just acquainted with him. And the thing that worries me more than anything is that you might just be content with that kind of a relationship. If that were your marriage, what kind of marriage is that? What kind of way of of living is that? If you're just basically a roommate with your spouse, what way of living is that? That's no life to live. But we treat the Lord that same way, right? Here's what's amazing. This word yada. It says in the scripture that Adam knew Eve, his wife, had an intimate relationship. Adam yada his wife. Now, it says in Genesis chapter 2 that for this reason a man shall leave his mother and father and shall be cling to or become one with his wife and the two shall become one flesh, one flesh. In the Hebrew the word is ikad. It's a oneness that you can't tell where one ends and the other begins. But this is what blows my mind is that in John chapter 17 when Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer He comes to this point during his prayer, and he says this, Father, my desire, my desire, God, is that they may be one with us as we are one with each other. What is he saying there? Again, if this were in Hebrew, again, Jesus was Jewish, my desire, God, is that they might be ikad, one, like you and I are ikad, Lord, one. Jesus wants that kind of relationship with you this morning. Paul pursued this kind of relationship. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him, that I might gnosko in the Greek, that I might have an, an experience of God. I don't just want to know God. I want to experience God in the power of his resurrection, that I might share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I want to experience God, not just be acquainted with God. So what is Hosea saying? He's saying, listen, maybe people know or they have an understanding of who God is, but there's no experiential knowledge. There's no intimacy. There's no ikad. There's no oneness anymore. You know, when I go into Costco and I walk out, you know they have that Costco travel thing there all the time, right? And, you know, when I was younger, I used to want to go to, like, the Caribbean-type places. But now, you know, in my early 40s, no one should see this paley white skin in a swimsuit. So now I'm attracted to those Alaskan cruises where I can stay under a parka, right? And I know, I see those beautiful pictures and there's a brochure there. I know that that trip would be amazing. I would love to do it. But you know what? I've never experienced that. One of my guilty pleasures is I like to watch YouTube videos about Texas deep pit barbecue. All right? It's true. I love to watch. I watch them make, how do you make the brisket? How to make it jiggle? Right? Fat up or fat down? I love watching barbecue videos. And I know the best barbecue is in Texas, but I've never experienced, I've never tasted it before. When I was a kid, you guys remember those days where you would go and you'd walk in and there would be a book fair? You remember those days, the book fair days? You know, when in the 80s, the book fair days were off the chain. I used to love that, right? And I'd go, and my parents would give me money for books, but at the book fair, they would have pencils and posters and all kinds. I, I don't think I ever once bought a book, but I bought a lot of posters. And they had these really cool posters of these, like, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and things like that, right? And I took that. Mine was a Ferrari. I was a Ferrari guy. Put the Ferrari poster on my wall. And I loved it, but you know what? I've never driven in a Ferrari. I've never experienced a Ferrari. See, here's the trouble. Hosea says that you guys understand that there's a cruise that is happening. You understand there's a good meal. You understand that car drives fast, but you're you're not willing to take the time to experience that trip or to taste that food or to sit in that seat and drive the car. You're content having the poster hanging on the wall or watching the video when you could be tasting the barbecue and driving in the car and experiencing this relationship. So Hosea's word to the people during those days is there's no one who's interested in really getting to know me. You're content with being acquainted with me, but I want to be one with you. I want to be intimate with you. I want us to share, ikad, to share with one another. And that's what God wants for you today. So there's these sins of, look, there's no faithfulness in the land, integrity. There's no knowledge of God. There's no steadfast love. These are things I see wrong. But then he shifts gears a little bit, and now he's going to point out the sins of commission. And there are five sins that are listed here. The first one is swearing. And that swearing, it's closely related to one of the commandments, which says that you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And, you know, we think of swearing in our culture as you know, using swear words or saying cuss words, and it's deeper than that. That's included in it, right? I mean, when we use that kind of foul language, it's an indicator of what's happening in our heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths will speak. But it's deeper than that. Really what the word is saying here, we should not be swearing or that there's swearing happening in the land, is that people were taking God's name in vain. They were saying, God told me 
that this is what you should do. Or God said this is what should happen. That is taking God's name in vain. You have to be very careful with that. I remember there was a time where I really struggled because there were some ladies that I really looked up to and, and they came to me and they said, God told me that there was a spirit of suicide over you. And I was like, what on earth? You're going to struggle with thoughts of suicide. And guess what? I didn't struggle with thoughts of suicide until somebody said, God told me you're going to struggle with thoughts of suicide. And then, you know, for the next few weeks, I'm struggling like, Lord, what is going to happen in my life that is going to cause me to feel like I need to take my life? Is something going to happen to my wife or my children? Or like, why would this happen, right? You have to be very careful when you go and you say, God told me to say this to you. You better be convinced. In the Old Testament, those people were called prophets. And if that word was not true, they were stoned to death. Why? Because they swore when they should not have sworn. They took God's name in vain. When you turn on the TV and you watch some sort of televangelist preaching some sort of message and they say, you know, God has told me that out there there are 5,000 people that each should be giving $500. You know what I say? Well, God just told me that I need to change the channel. <laughs> right? You, do you know Why? Because they're taking God's name in vain. They're treating that frivolously. I, 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 very rarely, I don't know, I can't even recall a time where I've stood up here and I've said, you know, the, you know maybe on some Wednesday nights, like the Spirit says that somebody's struggling with this and maybe I'll say, the Lord, I feel like there's somebody in the room today that's struggling with this thing. But if I ever get up here and say, God has told somebody in this room to give me $20,000, take me outside and stone me. Put me out of my misery. All right? Because... That is taking God's name in vain. That's swearing. And this was running rampant. This was happening. And here's what is really what I struggle with is this is happening in mainstream Christianity all across America. These words and, you know, people are seeking these supernatural words rather than seeking the scripture. Right? And you know what? You have to test those spirits. You have to make sure because that's a very easy way for you to be led astray. Right? You have to trust that person. You have to trust the Jesus in that person if that word is going to come to you and you're going to receive that word. Right? So there's that idea of these people were swearing, but the second thing there, it says that they were lying. The word has the meaning of deception. It's closely related to the idea of hypocrisy. The people were acting one way in public and living a different way in private. Remember we talked about the word character there? And Jesus had a rebuke of the religious leaders of his day in Matthew chapter 23. You can read it later. But he says, these people, they love the seats. You know, they love the best seats. And they, they sit there in Moses' seat. And they love for people to come and to respect them. And they will put heavy burdens on you. These burdens that are so heavy. And they'll ask you to do all of these things in the name of a religion. And they're not willing to lift any one of those burdens themselves. He's, then this is what Jesus said. He said, you listen to what they say, but don't live like they live. They're not real, right? So the people were using God's name out of place, and they were also being fake. That's the warning here. Don't be fake. I think that the Lord would rather you come to him in authenticity with the burdens that you're carrying than try to play one part here and another part when you're gone. Just be authentic. Just be real. God will meet you in that place. You can't hide that sin from him anyways. Why not just be real? Why not just take off the mask? Right? 
So there's that idea of, of being fake, the lying. And then let's clump these three together. There was murder, there was stealing, there was adultery, right? Five of the Ten Commandments are listed here. Now, if I'm a professional baseball player, and if I get a hit five out of every ten times I come up to bat, I'm the best player that has ever lived, and I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? But when it comes to God's law, if I'm good five out of ten times, guess what? I'm in trouble, right? Because it's, we're not grading on the curve here. Right? That's not the way this works. Listen to what it says in James. James chapter 2. It says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. You can keep 612 of all 613 commands that are in the Old Testament. But that one that you failed to keep disqualifies you from the presence of God. You can keep all uh, nine of the ten commandments. And that one that you failed to keep disqualifies you from the presence of heaven. Apart from the work of Christ. But the hope. The good news is, is that it's not about you and your goodness because Jesus has already performed for us, right? So I used to be that person. I used to be that one. I was the one that was separated from God. I was the one who was disqualified because of my actions. I was the one who was dead in my trespasses and sins. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. These people are not fit to come into the kingdom. And such were some of you. And such was I. But look at this. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Right? So I don't have to flee. Right? Now, those sins that are piling up against me, I don't have to pay the penalty for because Jesus has paid the penalty on my behalf. So let's finish up these first three verses. Man, it's getting late already. So... It says there, verse 2, swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. The idea there is retaliation. One terrible deed is responded to with another terrible deed. And it just snowballs out of control. Verse 3, therefore the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens. And even the fish of the sea are taken away. There's a spiritual truth that is here. That the land suffers when the people are in sin. In the Old Testament, over and over and over again, God warns the children of Israel, when you fall into sin, there will come a drought. And the land will mourn. The land will waste away. The land will dry. Why? Because you've fallen into sin. And it's no mistake. Hear me out on this. It is no mistake that California has been in generational drought. And that wildfire fires have broken out all across the eastern seaboard up into the north northwest all of these wildfires due to drought why because the sin that we've allowed to penetrate the land but there is a remedy for this and if we want the fruitfulness to come back to the land if we want the goodness of the land to be restored if we want the the drought to end then we need to cry out to God in repentance you know a couple weeks ago I went in and I sat in on the discipleship class, and 
uh, Pastor Jonathan had his pastor from Thailand share, and he shared this story of, of a village where they had been ministering. And as they were ministering in this village, there was a revival that first broke out with the children. And the children were waking up like at four in the morning, and they were crying out to God, and they were praying for their parents. And then they would go to church, and the children would go to the altar, and they would confess the sins of their parents publicly. And then the parents began to respond and they were coming forward and their sin was being dealt with. Why? Because a move of repentance happened. And guess what happened to the land? Their rice fields started to yield 10 times more rice than before. Once revival hit and repentance swept across that land, the land's fruitfulness was restored just like God said it would happen. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.